0: Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening. I hope and trust that you are all well. Before I get started, I would like to give a very special shout-out to the reform members of Back to Ashes. Lisa Radford, Ashley Miles, Unterscare Wifey, Tina Mead, Stephanie McLaren, Corpse Lover, Gwen Haley, Mana Ash, Normie DW, Chrissy Elias, Cindy Cleveland, Patty's niece, and Samantha Place. The rest of the Back to Ashes membership family can be seen right here on your screen. If you would like to become a member of Back to Ashes or would like to buy me a coffee as a thank you, all of that information can be found down below. Now, with all of that being said, it is time to go back to ashes. For once we arise from the ashes, we are a bigger, brighter, stronger, and happier person in the morning. Sit back, relax, kick back, grab a snack, or tuck in to get warm. And prepare for this dose of vocal melatonin entitled True Paranormal Encounters. Right after this intro and ad will play, I'll read the first story An ad will play, and after that there will be no more ads within this video. I lost my dad back in August of 2022 to a tragic motorbike accident. A few weeks later, my mother and I sat on the sofa watching some TV. All we really did back then to try and numb our minds when we both caught a glowing figure walking up our stoned driveway. We both jumped up, my mother went outside to see what it was, and I put my head out the window, but it had gone. We tried to come up with possible explanations and tried various experiments to see if we could replicate the glowing figure, but to no avail. Now, usually when someone is walking up the driveway, we can hear their footsteps. This was in the middle of summer, so the window and patio doors were open. So we definitely would have heard someone walking. But the glowing figure made no sound, and it was only the glowing light that caught our attention. We like to think it was my dad, coming down to let us know he's happy and at peace. I'm just amazed at what we saw. The light it was emitting was captivating. This was about 40 years ago. We were camping in the summer in the woods behind a friend's house. About 11 pm we had to walk back to the house for something. It was a full moon and there was plenty of light so we didn't take flashlights. We went out of the woods and down a long lane that went along an open pasture between the woods and the house. We got what we needed and started to walk back. The moon was behind us over our right shoulder. We could see our shadows on the ground ahead of us from the moon. As we were walking, we saw a black circle with no lights. It just looked like a black hole in the sky. It was very low above the trees and moving towards us slowly. We all stopped, there were four of us by the way, and watched it. It came over the trees and over the pasture, and then suddenly you could see a shadow moving on the ground where the moonlight was giving the thing a shadow just like us. And it went from northwest to southeast and passed over us and kept going until we couldn't see it anymore. It lasted about two minutes. It did not make any noise. It did not look like anything, just a perfectly round black circle. It had no lights and moonlight did not reflect off of it. It made a shadow that was about the size of a house. I don't know how high it was because it had no detail, but it seemed very low, like a couple of hundred feet. We told our parents the next day, but of course no one believed us. This happened in Ohio in 1982 or 1983. About two years ago, I was in Naples, Florida with my friend. We were on the porch having a smoke at around 11pm. I was leaning on the railing when what I thought was a plane in the distance turn towards us. It was flying so low that the front lights blinded us. My friend scrambled for his phone, which turned out to be dead, and I, feeling I would miss it, didn't want to run inside to grab my phone. Though the craft was steadily gliding, it was all happening so fast. As the object got closer, we noticed it was a huge black triangle with three huge circular lights on the bottom. It was so close, just above the trees right in front of the building. It was so silent. The only thing making any noise was the trees rustling below the craft. Then, the huge black triangle turned on a dime right in front of us and disappeared over the tops of the buildings. I wouldn't have believed what I saw if I didn't see it with someone else. Okay, so this happened in New Jersey last night. So to understand the story, I'll just give a little rundown of my house. So if you are sitting on my couch and you turn around about 15 to 20 feet away, there will be a big sliding glass door, which will lead to my porch. If you go down the steps and walk about 50 feet, you will be met with the pines or pine barrens. If you pay attention to urban legends, you might recognize those woods as the same woods the Jersey Devil lives in. So anyway, it was about nine, and I was sitting on the couch talking with my two friends and just watching TV. We were having a good time when I realized that one of my friends started to look out back with a puzzled look on his face. I ask what's the matter, and he just says something along the lines of nothing. Nothing but I think I saw something in your backyard. So I turned around, and for a split second, I see what looks like two heads peer from behind a tree, and then immediately duck behind again. I'm like, holy shit, what is that? So at that point, my friend grabs a kitchen knife, and runs out onto our porch, just yelling for whoever it is to go away. I ran out and tell them it's fine, and let's just go back inside. As I do, I see three heads this time, all closer than before. So I shout get away, I have a gun. Obviously bluffing, then I see them dart behind the tree again, and they are gone. I still have no idea what it is, but they're just gone now. At this point, I definitely need answers. I moved to my current residence with my family years ago. I was around 12 and excited to settle into a new place. The house was new when we moved in it. I was only seven years old, and there were never any accidents in it or the large backyard. On the border of the backyard was a government-owned forest you could walk through that had trails. Our house had a pathway that led down into the forest. Me and my brothers were excited to go there, so a few days after settling in our house, Dad took us out. The whole hike was normal until we started coming back through the access that was made by the previous owners. When I was going through, I took a wrong turn where the path split. We were near the exit to our property, but I came upon a split and took the wrong path. I walked a short distance to where our property should be, but it wasn't there. I just looked forward and saw a field of sunflowers. The field of sunflowers must have been large because I could not see a tree line behind it. The field didn't make any sense. It was located around where the property would start and seemed to be massive. My dad realized I was gone and called me back. The times I went through the woods after, I did not see the split in the path. Somewhat recently, I went through the woods with my brothers, and I accidentally, without realizing it, went through the split and found an empty field with no sunflowers. Both occurrences where I went through the split took place in the summer. If anyone knows anything or can explain what happened, I would appreciate it. This has only been happening for a few days, but it has never been bad like this. It started out just this lady with pink hair, pure white skin, and a yellow shirt. She would just appear in the corner for a few seconds, then disappear for like half a second, then jump scare me. She never did anything else, and it only happened once per dream. Until late last night, that is. She appeared the first time. I was actually able to talk to her this time. I asked her if she was trying to scare me, and she nodded, then jump-scared me. After that, I saw her out of the corner of my eye. She didn't do anything, I guess because I didn't fully look at her. Then, the final time that I saw her in the dream is when she attacked me. So, this part of the dream, it actually happened in my room. I look over and she is hiding in a pile of clothes. Then she disappears, and this weird thing appears and runs toward me. It looked like it was ten years old. It had gray skin, black eyes, no hair. Everything in its mouth was black. It also looked strangely like my sister, and it was trying to bite my hand. So after I woke up, I noticed the palm of my hand actually hurt. And it actually scared me this time. A friend of mine told me that his mom had had a similar experience, so she prayed and it stopped. The same friend thinks I might need a priest. My grandma thinks it might be some form of stress and that I might need a psychiatrist. But I don't know how to explain why I woke up with my hand hurting. Please, does anybody know how I can make this stop It's getting to the point where I'm waking up scared, and in pain, and that's probably not normal. A little background. Growing up in my parents' house, we had the largest cemetery in town directly behind our home. To give a picture, there was my house with a six-foot wooden fence and then a copse of pine trees, which was cemetery land, the area that the cemetery bolts were retained and then the cemetery itself. The man who originally built the house had put in a gate in the back of the fence because his business was abutted to the cemetery property, but when he and his wife divorced, he sold the house, but there were two paths that led from that gate, one to his business and one to the cemetery itself. In this cemetery, there are over 3,000 graves, most of them the flat plaques, very uniform and neat, with a few headstones, a couple of mausoleums, and few private burial sites that require a key. Also, several of my family members are buried there, my great-grandparents, great-uncles, aunts, uncles, and cousins. This is about my great-grandma, who died of a broken heart, six months after my great-grandfather passed away. She would be at our house all the time after he passed, my father and mother diligently taking care of her. She was in her 80s, and I didn't realize what a treasure she was at the time, since I was in fifth grade. She would often take naps in my room, meaning that I would have to give up my privacy and hang out with my family when my introverted self wanted to be alone. Then, one day, my mom was in the kitchen crying because great-grandma had been in the hospital, but I didn't know it was serious. She had died of a heart attack, but really it was a broken heart. She had never been that ill, but her health took a sudden turn for the worse when she lost her mate. The other thing about my great-grandmother... She was a stickler for cleaning up. She took pride in her house being clean. After she passed, I guess she decided that she liked our house the best. My mom always had a cup of tea in the morning and afternoon. She'd put the mug she used in the morning near the stove, so she could reuse it in the afternoon. We'd all of a sudden start finding it near the sink with water in it. Also, beds that were unmade would be made especially mine, since great-grandma would nap in my bed. I never heard the tap of the sink go off, but I did often hear the clink of the mug hitting the counter. There was only ever one mug broken. This phenomenon was still going on, not as much, until my parents' house was decimated by a tornado. The house is being rebuilt on the same property. We hope that great-grandmother's ghost hasn't been too disturbed. As a former United States Marine, Terrell Copeland isn't easily dismissed as an unreliable observer, and so his alien stories are perhaps harder to shake. Copeland claimed that his first experience with aliens occurred in 2007, when he captured footage of what he believed to be a UFO on his cell phone from his apartment in Suffolk, Virginia. "'It was an orb of light,' he said." just a big ball of light, it wasn't moving, one was solid white, the other was directly across the street from it, up 300 feet above ground, and was changing colors very rapidly. Copeland recalled feeling as though something was wrong, and that he wasn't supposed to be witnessing the unnerving aerial appearance, but he alleged that it wasn't until after he published the footage online that things truly became strange. I woke up from a nap by the sound of someone trying to enter my apartment, he said. And I said, Who is it? There was no answer. You could see the doorknob moving and like a scratching at the door. And I keep a firearm. It was on my table. And my thought was to get up and check. Despite the urge to get up, Copeland was paralyzed and only able to move his eyeballs. Suddenly, he purportedly heard a voice through the door tell him. You don't need that weapon. We won't harm. The incident certainly resembled the natural phenomenon known as sleep paralysis, which is experienced by many. But Copeland soon began to experience missing hours as well. He was capable of accounting for four waking hours during a span of two nights. When you see these objects and then you do the research and you see that there are so many people who have experienced the same thing as you, he said, you have to say to yourself, maybe there is something to this. Copeland claimed that as soon as he started to keep a log of notes and sketches, his memory of what had happened during his episodes of Missing Time began to resurface. I was in a room and I saw a woman who did not have complete human features he said. She had the typical black eyes that you hear about. She had an elongated skull, and that startled me. And the next memory I have is me standing on my balcony waving at the cylinder-shaped ship. Copeland's alien stories, which were eventually chronicled on the History Channel, remain both startling and unproven, as all alien abduction tales do. In the end, however... Copeland said that his experience was for the best and has left him with a desire to be a better person. I feel if someone from above took notice of me, then maybe I'm doing something right. And if I'm doing something right, maybe I can do it better. This is the story of The One. Around the age of three, I would have nightmares every night. Upon waking up, I would sit up on my bed, and in the doorway was a family of three standing there looking at me, a mom, dad, and a little boy. They all wore old-looking clothing, and the mother was in a dress that had a poofy bottom. Anyways, I would get really scared and cover my eyes, but when I would peek through my fingers, they would be coming closer towards me, and eventually, they would be right next to my bed. They would tell me everything was okay and that I was just having a bad dream. The mom would caress my hair and they would stay with me until I fell back asleep. This happened almost every night until we left that house. A little after I turned four, I was watching Toy Story and decided I wanted to blast off just like Buzz and Woody did at the very end of the movie. I was wearing overalls that day and the family in my room told me if I lit my bed on fire, I would be safe. So, I snuck around my house, found a small pack of matches, and lit my bed on fire while I was sitting on it. Naturally, everything caught on fire quickly, and my mom rushed in and pulled me off the bed. She described it as a ring of fire surrounding me, but none of the fire touching me. We all survived and only my bedroom had to be prepared. In the ambulance my mom asked why I let my room on fire and I told her the people said I could and I would be okay. Meanwhile, my parents also saw the family in that house as well. My mom recalls seeing a little boy run through the hall and she heard someone whisper her name. We had phone calls come from no one. This was before caller ID lights turning on and off, and small objects moving around. Some of these things happened in front of friends as well. On one occasion, my great-aunt, who was a medium of sort, came over to the house with family. My parents didn't tell me this story until I was older, but she went up to my dad and said, ''There is a family that lived on this land, and they're still here. They want you to leave.'' She described the family exactly how I described them to my parents. Fast forward to the summer I turned six. My parents wanted to till the backyard and lay down grass. We had a close family friend come to help us, and while they were tilling, they hit something deep in the dirt. When they pulled it up, it was a huge bone that matched what a femur would look like. My dad and our friend pushed it way back down in the dirt and stopped tilling. We didn't move from that place until I was 7, and I am 28, and my family and I will never forget all that happened there. I was born in 1994, and that house still exists in San Jose, California. It was actually a garage that was converted into a cottage, and it sits behind another house. I now have a 5-year-old daughter, and have done my best to protect them from anything paranormal like that. In hindsight, my parents feel they should have called the police about the femur, but everyone was in such shock that day, we just put it back and rarely spoke of it. The church campus consists of the sanctuary, the office, an empty, decrepit house where the priests used to live that was later used as a meeting space until it was condemned, and a cemetery with the oldest graves being those of War of 1812 soldiers. All of the buildings have some stone exteriors. A priest died in the house in the late 1800s. He was old, so nothing nefarious there, but... He still haunts the place, which seems odd to me because he was a priest and obviously believed in heaven, etc. Why stick around? When I first started working there, I was in the office with a member of the congregation who told me that on several occasions, when they left the old house and turned off all the lights, they would turn around and see lights that had switched back on inside through the windows. I believe in the paranormal and have had many experiences myself, so I was intrigued. When I left the office that day by myself, I turned off the lights. At the last light switch, I felt almost an electric buzz through my finger. The office itself is old, so it wouldn't have surprised me if something wasn't grounded right, etc. Didn't think anything unusual about it. I went back to my desk to grab my things and lock the door, and the light switch I had turned off was on. Keep in mind, this was the same day as when I found out about the priest. I've tried asking him again to show me any sign that he's there, but he never does anything else in the four years I've been working there. But, without asking. I've seen flashes of light in a dark windowless room. I'm not sure if it was periodolia but I saw a man cross in front of my headlights and disappear. He had dark hair and was wearing a white shirt. I once unlocked the deadbolt on the door to the church and when I went to turn the knob to go inside, something turned it the opposite way in my hand. This was during lockdown so definitely no one was inside. I took off running. I've seen motion detector lights outside turn on by themselves. And when I've jumped in front of them waving my hands, they've never come on. I heard this one from my boss who's a priest. The organist was practicing by themselves in the church when a pencil went flying across the room. He also told me that members have said they've seen the priest looking out of the windows of the house. The decrepit house is supposed to be torn down within the next year or two. I'm not sure how or if that will affect the priest who won't leave. Maybe he finally will. The 1969 Berkshire UFO incident that shocked an entire town. When numerous residents of Berkshire County, Massachusetts, individually reported having seen a UFO on September 1, 1969, authorities were at a loss for an explanation. This wasn't a lone sighting induced by sleep deprivation that could be easily dismissed. It truly appeared as though something uncanny had occurred. On the evening in question, residents spotted lights above Sheffield in the southern Berkshires. Many of the witnesses said that the lights were fitted to an unidentified disc-shaped craft that was maneuvering in unprecedented ways. Some witnesses claimed they lost track of time as they gazed with stunned fascination at the object. Thomas Reed was nine years old at the time. In the car with his mother, brother, and grandmother that night, the family noticed a group of glowing orbs dash out of the roadside trees. Reed claims that something astounding happened when, heading home, his family approached Sheffield Bridge. "'It came to a stop off the right side of the road,' he recalled, of the glowing orbs. "'Everything got really calm. It was like being in the middle of a hurricane.'" There was like a barometric change in pressure. It was just like a dead silence. Then, there was an eruption of crickets and frogs, and it got really loud, and that was it. Then, the family suddenly found itself back in the car, but they had inexplicably lost two hours of memory. Stranger still, Reed's mother and grandmother had somehow switched car seats. Despite any tangible evidence of the Berkshire's UFO incident, Reed has remained steadfast in his account. He said over time the family regained some memory of the incident, including having been in a hangar-like facility with other people. We encountered something, said Reed. It was definitely not of this world. This hangar thing we were in was huge. It was larger than a football field. This hallway we had seen was circular with a wide configuration almost to control the flow of traffic. This one room had a bowed-in wall that was rounded. It's important to remember that Reed was only one of dozens of people who reported witnessing a UFO in the Sheffield area that night. Some were adults who called into the local radio station to report the sighting. Others were children who began drawing UFOs in class. There must have been 20 or 30 sketches that were drawn by children in our fourth grade class from what they saw, said Reed. They hung underneath in the class board in Sheffield Center School. More than one of those hang in the Roswell Museum today. People don't realize the significance of this. And so it wasn't just us. My passion for the paranormal started over 20 years ago. I was just a teenager, and my stepdad had died of cancer. I lived in a different state and didn't get a chance to say goodbye. I went over to my sister's house to watch my nephew. It was his nap time, so I placed him in his crib and walked down the hall to the living room. From the couch, I could see him in his room. I was really tired and decided I would take a nap while he was taking one. I was in that half awake state and I kept hearing him jumping up and down in his crib and laughing. I was so tired but sat up and said, please go to sleep for auntie. As I laid my head back down I was almost asleep and heard a grown man whistling really loud. It was a quick tune but it was loud. My nephew was staring at something and laughing. I completely panicked and froze in fear as I thought someone had broken in. I ran down the hall to protect my nephew and there was no one else in the room. I ran outside until a friend could come over. When I made it back in the house and made sure no one was there, I started to explain the details to my friend. I took my nephew back to his room to change his diaper. As I was changing him, he pointed towards his closet door and said, Papa. He called my stepdad, Papa. This experience brought me so much comfort knowing that our loved ones were still with us even after they passed. For the many years after the experience, I looked for more. I wanted more validation from more experiences and from the experiences of others. In my early 20s, my husband and I had met a couple through his work that seemed as interested in the paranormal as I was. One of the haunted places in my town was the obvious, a cemetery. The cemetery was right next to an asylum and many other state buildings that had well-lit parking lots. My friend and her husband picked me up one night after work to go to the cemetery for our first ghost hunt as there were many stories about this specific area. It was late, and as we started through the cemetery path, it felt as if there were spider webs brushing across my face. Not much happened for a while until we walked to the back towards the mausoleum. There were trees and ivy with a small dirt hill that had a little path, with nothing more at the end but a chain-link fence. On the other side of the fence was one of the state buildings with light coming from the parking lot. My friend and I noticed what we thought was a security guard walking along the chain-link fence on the cemetery side. With the light from the parking lot and the darkness from the cemetery, I couldn't make out features other than his bulky uniform and hat. He wasn't facing me and was pointing a flashlight towards the ground, swaying it back and forth as if looking for something. I was at the top of the ivy path, looking down towards him, waiting to be busted for being in a cemetery past dusk. He made an abrupt stop, did a military about-face maneuver, and raised his flashlight at us in a mechanical motion. I still saw no features. I knew by the movement it wasn't a security guard. I never thought when I saw my first ghost it would look so solid and real. I honestly don't know what else it could have been. Although a little jarring, it is what I was looking for. I will always have a passion for the paranormal. As I know from experience, there is so much more out there. I'd like to preface this story by stating I'm a highly educated and scientific person and have never been a believer in the supernatural, Bigfoot, or things of that nature. That being said, I'm at a loss for the things my family has encountered on my property over the last seven years and would love to hear your suggestions. Here's my story. Seven years ago, my wife and I purchased a property in 11 acres of woods in a rural part of northeastern Minnesota. The woods were connected to a larger acreage of fields and woods of about 160 acres, and although sparsely populated, the land is near a fairly busy state highway. There are some housing developments in the area, but they are three to four miles away, and the majority of the land all around our property is farm fields, woods, and rivers. It's remote, but with towns so close, I wouldn't call it wild by any means. I'm mentioning this because I've heard many Native American legends of things in the deep northern woods of Minnesota and Canada. But the area in which we live is not that. Rural, yes, but not the endless north woods. As I said earlier, I'm not a believer in the supernatural and have never been afraid of the woods or the outdoors, even though I have a healthy sense of caution and respect for large bears, moose, wolves, and other potentially dangerous wildlife. I am also an avid hunter and mountaineer, and have experienced many nights in the wilderness. I've had numerous encounters with dangerous animals or situations, so I'm not spooked easily. Knowing my state of mind is important to my story because many so-called supernatural encounters can be explained by people with an already high level of belief, anxiety, or fear. That's not me. Well, that all changed after the first few weeks of moving in. The house and land had been abandoned for a couple of years due to foreclosure, so a lot of work needed to be done to get it back into shape. Wildlife had grown accustomed to no human presence, and black bears frequently roamed the yard at night, along with many other woodland creatures. We also found a lot of animal bones scattered throughout the woods, and coyotes were abundant. One night during those first few weeks, we had a rainstorm, and I was worried about a broken downspout potentially causing a basement leak. It was about 10 p.m., so I grabbed my headlamp and headed outside to deal with the situation. Behind our house is a fairly large, swampy area that divides the woods. I had my back facing this area while fiddling with the downspout when suddenly I had this intense feeling of dread. It's really hard to explain the feeling, but it was like my body knew something was back there. It was very unusual based on the circumstances. Never having felt this type of fear before, I tried to stay calm and slowly turned around to point my headlamp back towards the swamp. What I saw was something I still cannot explain. Eyes. Numerous glowing and reflecting eyes staring back at me. They were not eye reflections that you typically see with a deer or other animal, since they were at different heights. And when I pointed my headlamp spot beam directly at where you would expect a head to be, there was nothing there but weeds and trees. When I turned the headlamp off, they were still there and glowing as if a light was being shined. They did not move. They just stared through me. Needless to say... I bolted and ran as fast as I could back into the house and explained it away as deer or raccoons. Later that summer, I was sitting out on our screened-in porch that partially faces the swamp and connected woods to the west. It was approximately 11 pm when I began to hear what sounded like a bear fighting with or attacking a cow. Since there was a small farm to the southwest of my property, I assumed that perhaps a cow had wandered into the woods and been attacked by a bear. I really didn't know if this was something a bear would actually do, but it was my only guess based on the sounds I was hearing at that time. It was clearly some kind of roar, like a bear, but then followed by a frantic-sounding cow's mooing. This went on for over an hour, and it was perhaps one of the most horrible sounds I've ever heard. Even though it sounded so strange and almost supernatural, it didn't frighten me since I had this rational explanation in my head. Even weirder, the same series of sounds happened again the next summer. These first few years, I never investigated the area of the woods the sounds came from since it was not my property. A couple of years later, I had the chance to purchase this area and 70 acres to the west, which consisted of the woods that connected to mine as well, as a few tilled fields, more woods, and ponds. As part of purchasing this land, I spent a great deal of time walking around on it to get a good understanding of its value and layout. As part of my walk, I was able to get a much better look at the farm set up to the south, The farm did have cows, as I suspected, but to my surprise, the area they were kept in was a long distance from my house. Much too far for me to hear them, and the fencing was also extremely well-built and electrified. Looking at it, there was just no way a cow was wandering off from that farm. I didn't really think about this fact until recently, but feel it's best to lay everything out in chronological order. After acquiring the property, I proceeded to put up tree stands at various locations along with trail cameras in order to prep for the upcoming deer hunting season. One spot was the hilly woods where I heard those sounds many years prior. Again, I did not connect these two things until now. The area was very odd, as whenever I hiked through there, I always saw some new strange thing. One time, my son and I found an old game snare tied to a tree with what looked to be dried blood on the tree bark. Another time, we found at least a hundred-year-old tree with barbed wire fence completely spiraling the entire trunk, growing in and out of it at different intervals. I've also found many tree trunks with very large scratches or claw marks, not resembling any antler rub. Perhaps a bear? We'd almost always find dead animal bones in this area, and even this winter, I found a couple of deer legs snapped and picked clean. My sons have found numerous animal skulls there as well. As I was saying, I put a game camera up in this area since I'd seen tracks and sign and wanted to get a sense of the best places to hunt. I've placed one there many seasons and have yet to capture a single thing on it. Nothing. My son has posted there a couple of times for hunting season and has mentioned the strange sense of quiet. He's used to the forest sounds coming back after sitting still for long periods of time. But in this spot, there are never any sounds. He has mentioned hearing something walking around though. Another incident occurred one hunting season, when I was entering this area, en route to another stand, when I saw a violent thrashing in the foliage moving fast and crossing from right to left but moving away from my position. I, of course, encounter deer and bear all the time, so I'm familiar with how they move when spooked, but this was something different. Whatever this thing was made a high-pitched trumpeting sound combined with bellowing sound that was like nothing I'd ever heard from an animal outside of an elk, which we don't have in this area. It wasn't bounding, and there wasn't the raised white tail or large dark mass to indicate a deer or bear. There really didn't appear to be a body at all, just whipping and falling leaves and branches along with the deafening sounds. A year after this incident, my son went out hiking in the woods to try and find me, since I was out doing some forest management. As he walked through the area, he thought he spotted me coming through the woods fast, but quickly noticed the walk, and clothing were nothing like mine. Whoever it was, was also a lot taller than me, and he described him as extremely thin. He said the person he saw did not notice him at all and seemed to be walking in a straight line, like they had tunnel vision or something. Seeing someone in this part of the woods and their direction of travel don't at all make sense since there really would be no reason to be there or to be headed that way as it leads to deep ravines and an uncrossable river. After he found me and explained what he saw, I quickly went over to investigate to see if we had a trespasser. I hiked for quite a while but never found anything or anyone. If someone was there, they either got picked up on the road or simply vanished. That same year, my son had a friend over and they went for a late afternoon walk in the woods. As it began to get dark, they made their way back by walking on the edge of the field that is next to the area of woods. As they passed by, they said they saw a figure a little ways off in the trees. Whatever they saw was near one of the hills in this patch of forest and seemed to be making some kind of hand gestures. It began walking slowly towards them when they called out, Hey, hello. He or it stopped still and said nothing. It was at this point the boys sensed something wasn't right and bolted back towards the house. They rushed into the house and told me what they saw, and I of course laughed it off as their mind playing tricks on them. My son described the figure was very tall, like 10 to 15 feet, but with skinny arms, and his body was dark all over. Not hairy per se, but dark. They even thought it was an animal at first because of the weird way it looked. He couldn't really describe it very well other than gaunt or skinny and strangely dark. Me being the curious and protective father I am, I was worried about it being trespassers, drug addicts, or both, so I told them I would go take a look. They brought me to the area and pointed to where it was standing and I headed into the woods. Since it was winter and there was snow on the ground, I thought it would be easy to locate the tracks of whatever this was and find out where it came from or went to. When I got to the spot, there wasn't a single track or disturbance in the snow. There was no way an animal or man could have been in that area and not left tracks. They had either made it up or their minds had played tricks on them. Or so I thought. To this day, my son and his friends still swear they saw it clear as day, and I can definitely attest that their fright was real. My wife has also experienced strange thrashing sounds and other feelings of dread or being watched in this part of the woods, and generally refuses to go over there anymore. All of this brings me to today, where I had a sudden realization that all of the strange sounds, sightings, bones and events seem to be centered around this one area and I'm just at a complete loss to what it all means. It's all too strange to really bring this up and discuss it with people I know around here but I wanted to share my story and see if anyone out there might have any other theories or ideas on what we might be dealing with here. I'll continue to investigate on my end, but would love to see what you all think. So, my ex-father-in-law, let's call him Pedro, grew up working ranches. He told me this had happened to him back in the 80s. Somewhere down in Frio County, along Highway 57, the road to Eagle Pass, he took a job with a ranch owner. He was given a mobile home to stay in, and his family was welcome to stay as well. The ranch owner, Ferguson I think is what they called him, had built himself a home several miles away, on the same property. For the ranch hand, a site-built home was partially started but never completed, It was three sides of a cinder block home and a partial roof. This is why the mobile home was there. This land is about a 100 miles from the U.S. and Mexico border. There's always been a lot of illegal immigrants crossing this land. One late afternoon, there were several illegals crossing the ranch property when Pedro sees them and yells at them asking, What they are doing crossing? They all stop and say, Sir, we want no trouble. We're just trying to get north for work and are looking for a place to stay the night. Pedro says, look at that home there. You all can camp there tonight, but need to be gone early because the owner will be up and doing his rounds. This should be enough cover for the night. If he sees you, I'll act like I don't know it. They agreed and set up camp in the non-completed house. So Pedro couldn't sleep well, knowing he might get in trouble. He woke up extra early to wake up the illegals to tell them they needed to get going, but none of them were in the house. He looked around and found that they had all moved their camp about 50 feet from the mobile home. He woke them and asked why did they move. One of them started to say, ''No, sir. We meant no trouble, but nobody can stay there in that area. We all heard voices screaming for help, and it was bad.'' They left soon after, and nothing was talked about again. Until, years later, both Pedro and Ferguson had gotten older. By now, they were pretty close and set out one night on the ranch drinking beer. Pedro tells him, You know, one night these illegals came through and asked to stay the night. I told them, yeah, and to stay in that old house, but they didn't. Pedro told Ferguson the whole story. Ferguson sat there for a while. He finally said, You know, after all these years, I never told you. When I was young, I saw my grandfather work this ranch, and a handful of times, I saw him catch some illegals himself. He killed them and buried them right there. He started to build that home right over their bodies. But not even the contractors could finish it. They heard the same thing. I will preface this by stating that the information I'm about to share with you is not a creepypasta or any other form of fiction. It is, in fact, my complete and honest recollection of the unexplained experiences I observed in and around the wooded area behind my childhood home. Other people in my family noted much of the same while growing up there, and our stories all match now that we are decades older. I'm not saying I believe in skinwalkers, sasquatches, or any other cryptids, as I am a man of science. I cannot ignore the lack of reliable and testable evidence in regards to such creatures actually existing. That being said, something very terrifying and unexplained lived or lives in the woods behind that house. Occurrence number one. My sister and I had just received a tent as a gift from our grandfather. He had smoked enough Marlboro cigarettes and sent in the UPCs to get us a massive Marlboro tent. My mom hated it. We, however, loved it and immediately set it up on the property line behind the house. We intended on spending the night out there, but after about an hour or so, we experienced something neither of us can explain still to this day. We saw an indention drag itself across the tent and heard it dragging as it went. It was like a giant finger or maybe a log, something of that size. My sister cried out and I immediately bolted outside as I was convinced it was our father playing a prank on us. Upon exiting the tent, I was greeted by nothing. There was nothing there. I searched the area briefly before grabbing my sister and going inside for the evening. About a week later, I ventured out to the tent again, only to realize it was gone. I ran inside and asked my mother where the tent was, and she replied that she had thrown it away because it had tears in it. Confused, I tried to convince myself she was lying, and had just tossed it out because she was anti-smoking and thought the tent looked trashy but I fear she was telling the truth. Occurrence number two. One fall morning, about an hour before my alarm went off for school, I was jolted out of bed by what I can only describe as an otherworldly shriek. It came from the woods. It didn't sound human, but it didn't sound animal either. Foxes and coyotes live in those woods but they don't make those kinds of sounds. It was insanely loud. Occurrence number three. One evening, my father and I were up late having one of our classic all-night arguments. As we finally wrapped up our fight around 3 a.m., my father said he wanted to read a verse from the Bible in order to close on a positive note of peace. As he began to read out loud, that same or at least very similar, otherworldly shriek boomed through the house. It had to be just outside the kitchen window, but it was so loud that it sounded almost like it was in the house. We immediately ran around the house, trying to find what the hell had made such a noise, and it even awoke my siblings and mother, who helped in the confused search. After about half an hour, we all just sort of gave up and went to bed, scratching our heads. Occurrence number 4. In my senior year of high school, I got a cat. She was an outside cat, but we would let her into the garage to sleep every night, mostly due to the coyotes and potentially bad weather and whatnot. She would always come home before we shut the garage doors because she didn't want to be locked out. One night, she didn't show. I didn't think much of it, as cats sometimes go on long hunting, mating, etc. excursions only to return in two or three days like nothing happened. I assumed this was the case. After not seeing her for a week, I went and explored the area behind my house. The fields, and of course the woods. I think I found her. I say I think, because I honestly couldn't tell. It looked like her, but she had been seemingly turned inside out. I stared at the remains for about a minute before turning back and going home. I know this was a long story, and if you stuck it out this far, I thank you for your time and interest. If you can shed any light on what kind of animal or being or whatever, please don't hesitate to share or speculate. My family, especially myself, would love to know what exactly was in those woods. I'll start out by saying that I'm not a big ghost believer, or maybe even a demon believer. After what happened last night, I've learned that I was very, very wrong. To give some background, Last night it was my birthday. My girlfriend and I went to her apartment after some drinks. She has one other roommate who was not there at the time. When we got there, everything was fine. Felt like normal. We eventually fall asleep. Recently, I've been having horrible nightmares. Probably because I'm on a little tea break from weed right now. Anyway, this dream I had, my girlfriend is in it. She is not herself. She was rude, judgmental. We were also homeless. At a point in the dream, she grabs my hand, almost as if she broke the fourth wall and says, We are not alone. Get out. I wake up very distraught. The first thing I notice is the sound of her roommate closing her door. My girlfriend was already awake. It was about 4.30 a.m. I ask her to check her roommate's location. They are close friends, and she has access to that. Her roommate turned out to be there, and we brushed it off as her getting ready to work. So, we are laying there in silence, and that's when I start to notice things are a bit odd. Everything was dead silent. The room itself somehow felt and looked different. The shadows and the lighting of the room were strange. Granted, I've never been up at 4.30 in the morning. It was just different, and this is when I started to really freak out. Every alarm bell in my mind was going off, telling me to go outside, to get out. The room felt like it was closing in. To try and calm myself down, I asked my girlfriend if she's okay. She says no, and she says something feels very wrong. I feel like I'm being watched. That statement alone put fear in me that I have never felt before. I told her I feel the same way. I get out of bed trying to rationalize what's happening. I'm thinking maybe it was just the nightmare and maybe she's just freaking out a bit and we're playing into a narrative because we both have anxiety. My mind was not letting me buy it. My mind is saying, no, this is different. You need to leave right now. I go into the living room. The first thing I notice is that it's hot. Very, very hot. And that's not a shock. We live in a state where it gets very, very hot, but this time it felt like somebody left the oven on, like heat was generating in the room. Standing in that living room, it felt like I was being watched by someone or something much bigger and evil than me. I rushed back into her room, and ask if we should stay at her mom's tonight. My girlfriend was more than happy to, as she was on the verge of crying, and said she wants us to leave right now. We get dressed, grabbed her cat, get in the car, and drive like hell was behind us. On the way there, we discuss what happened, and come to the conclusion that something was definitely very wrong. And it wasn't just one of us. We both felt it like we were in danger. I'm trying to rationalize what we felt last night. We're waiting on word back from the roommate to see if she felt anything. Listen, any advice would be appreciated, spiritual or scientific. I want to know what we went through. Did my dreams somehow warn me or did we just freak ourselves out? Whatever I felt last night though, felt like it was bigger than any of us. And that, dear listeners, brings a close to these true paranormal encounters. If you are sleeping, I hope Slumberland is treating you kindly. If you are awake, I hope you've enjoyed this collection. Until next time, please take care of yourselves, and I'll be reading to you later. Have yourselves a good morning, a good afternoon, or a good night.